Hey everyone, this is Andrew Johnson. And this is Jake Reiner. And you're listening to No Contest, a Noal Studio podcast. A series of conversations with placemakers on the stuff that makes us human and the stuff that humans make. We're speaking today with Matt McFeely, placemaker in Greenville, South Carolina native. Matt spent his career working in a variety of different industries, including finance, and entrepreneurship, and has recently returned to Greenville to take on several unique real estate projects, thinking out of the box about development and communities. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. For everyone listening in, uh, we worked very closely with Matt on his chapel project, learning about the community, designing the spatial experience, and a different differentiated brand for this endeavor. Uh, Matt, let's let's start off with everything that led up to Chapel and your perspective on real estate. Um, tell us a little bit about life growing up in Greenville. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, where, where to start? <laughs> Lots of things I think, uh, I think came together into kind of where I currently am. So always, always uh, that fun moment of deciding what to include with this. But I mean, Greenville specifically was, uh, I was born and raised here and um, you know, it was a bit of an idyllic childhood, you know, suburban uh, life, good family, you know, running around the neighborhood with, uh, with a pack of friends and, you know, something that I, I felt like uh, if I could just draw it out, I'd probably draw it out similarly <laughs> to that. So kind of, kind of a uh, sitcom style uh, growing up. So I, I've, I've thought a lot about that since then of, of whether that's, uh, completely a good thing. Uh, I think you can, I can, I can pull a lot from that. Um, and uh, I think it, it also probably led to me making a lot of decisions to get uh, experiences outside of that as well. See how, how the world lives and how different, um, you know, being in lots of different cities now uh, throughout, throughout the U.S. So um, certainly can dive into whatever part of that, but Greenville is always this uh, kind of good place, good childhood, and um, went to went to um, school and uh, university here as well. So uh, promptly got out after that before coming back. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds it sounds like a pretty pretty idyllic setup. Um, so after Greenville, what happens? Uh, I think you moved to to Nicaragua. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, group of um, group of people right out of college, and I helped start a nonprofit. Um, I kind of just fell into that. So no, by no uh, no no uh, prompting of, of my own, it was some other people that had the idea. I said, "Hey, that sounds fun. Let's go try to try to do that." And didn't really know what I was getting into at that point. I think um, it, it mostly just sounded good, but um, but it did uh, pretty quickly become one of those defining. Uh, defining moments for me, just figuring out who I was, you know, what I was capable of. And um, I, I say that was mostly for me because I don't know how much good we actually did in Nicaragua, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I learned how to fundraise, um, learned, uh, really just kind of expanded my horizons from there, you know, living, living in a place that, you know, you, you don't have, uh, you, you just take a lot of things for granted otherwise, just like electricity or, uh, you know, just just the reliability of of life that we've come to know here. I think it's it's a it's a good thing to come uh, to 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 at least expand what's what's possible and how how a lot of people really do live. So, again, I 
I don't know how much good we, we did for anybody else, but hopefully that has led to, again, a lot of other good decisions uh, from that. And, and I think it did, did define a lot of the, the work that, that I've done since and, and decisions I've made. Yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about that. Like how, for me, traveling as a kid was eye-opening, um, certainly expanded my vocabulary in the way that I see the world. It's hard to kind of pinpoint all the different elements that have come together in, in the mosaic of, of an adult human. But um, if you were to look back at it, like what what are some of those elements of the experience that you think defined, defined who you are and your perception today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 so easy for someone like myself. I mean, just just taking the the background that I've already mentioned from like the suburban, uh, you know, sitcom style uh, childhood, um, where it was, you know, there's not a lot of conflict in, in that other than just normal family stuff. And so, truly, it's just a uh, an expansion of of your mind and. Um, I think to it, um, you know, I think it helps you build empathy uh, for for um, for people who that are different from you. You think about how that translates into people uh, in your own city. Um, really, it's it's you know, we worked really closely um, just to give a, a little bit more detail on what we were doing. It's, it's kind of like a little mini Peace Corps almost, where where we were pouring resources into one community uh, with lots of different uh, focuses from teaching English to, um, you know, we, we built a health clinic and a little community center, um, you know, coach sports. Uh, so all of that, all of that was good in that we got to know the same people. Um, it wasn't like it was just one-offs here and there. I mean, we, we were pretty ingrained. So I think in, in that sense, we did the right thing uh, in the and if you, if you detect any uh, kind of hesitancy <laughs> from how I talk about that, it's mostly in that I feel like we had this sense that we could go in and, and almost like, like we actually, like we actually had some inherent ability to uh, save people there. Um, and I don't think we would have said that out loud, um, but it was certainly ingrained into just the mission of the whole place. Like here we are, we, we're, we're here to help uh, sort of thing. And, and as, as outsiders, and um, as, you can, as you can probably tell, uh, that has informed a lot of what the, the real estate types of things that, that uh, I've been interested in since. So from the, from the just what's, what's great for what you can take with you from an experience like that. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the personal development. If you if you're going in, it's almost realizing how little you can help that enables you to help a lot more moving forward. So um, maybe that's kind of abstract, but but I I do feel like it is the foundation for a lot of things ever since. That's awesome. Um, and then and then for Nicaragua, you you made a pretty big leap, right, to Austin, Texas. Is that correct? A uh, couple, couple steps in between. Oh, okay. Couple steps in between. Uh, I was, I, uh, I often, when I tell the story, there's too many, too many little stops <laughs> here. So, uh, I, what are, I, what are the, uh, the interim stops? Yeah. So I came back to, um, to South Carolina for, for a bit. I was in, I worked in like the luxury real estate, uh, world. So it's like the gated, gated communities in the, in the Southeast, um, and was in sales. So I was just making, you know, dialing for dollars uh, sort of thing. And, and I look back on that uh, in a, uh, 
I know I have I have mixed thoughts, mostly because I absolutely hated it, um, but but also uh, found it to be one of those uh, one of those core moments as well. Mostly from a skill, uh, you know, for for me to develop the skill of sales and the and the ability to pick up the phone and to uh, get past the fear of just talking to people who are different than than myself I think that again has led to a lot of other things so I did that for a few years which then led back to Costa Rica with a, a project down there which was in 2008 uh, when the, the luxury real estate world uh, was the first thing to I mean completely crumble in, in the financial crisis so um, and then that led to just trying to figure something out, which I was in San Francisco, worked for some startups there, met my wife there, uh, was in New York after that, a job that, that uh, moved us out, out there that, again, we were just trying to, I was trying to find, find something after the former right. path had just kind of crumbled. And eventually that led to Austin to uh, business school, um, which, we, which we stayed there for a while, so. Oh, wow. So you, you really were all over the country doing all sorts of things. And um, it sounds like you had quite a nonlinear path, which is something that I, I definitely know from my own experience. Perhaps um, we should have asked where you haven't been, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I'm just doing loops around, like, you know, circles <laughs> and trying to figure out where the next place is and get Nancy. <laughs> yeah, it's like I can imagine the Indiana Jones map where you're just stopping in different, different interesting markets across the, the world and figuring yourself out for a bit. <laughs> a little bit of that. I wish there was some actual strategy to that. I was uh, just being blown by the wind for, for a while, I would say. I think it, it took, it took you know, getting some more confidence, uh, which again, uh, being in Austin, going to, to business school, uh, this was not the, the traditional sort of business school entrepreneurship kind of focus. But that was a, a, another one of those kind of inflection points. And that was a big, big reason for it. Just saying like, okay, I, I know what I want to do from, from here. And it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, a decision point uh, from there. But before that, before that I feel like uh, I, got, I, was, I was collecting experiences and I learned a lot from it, but right. it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't as uh, strategic as I uh, would do it now, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of us who have, uh, got on that nonlinear path, look back and say, wow, I wish I had more strategy there. But um, there's something to, to taking experiences from adjacent or apparently unrelated places and bringing them into a world like real estate that hasn't seen the type of uh, differentiation, innovation, all the stuff that we're working towards that's really valuable. Yeah. I imagine that, you know, you look back at all the, the trips that you took to all those different cities and all the experiences you had and, and some of it comes to play today. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, take, taking pieces of that. I, I think that that is the, um, the, the art of it is, is uh, being curious enough maybe in each of those experiences uh, prior uh, and learning enough that you can then use those in, in, in the future. So, I mean, it, it's the hard part. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, if, uh, maybe a good analogy. You're reading a lot of books, but if you never remember anything from them, or if you're not taking good notes along the way, it's pretty tough to actually incorporate anything in your life. I, I think maybe the cities and the, and the previous jobs and all that is a little bit the same way. So I think yeah. I've done at least, uh, you know, made, made the attempt to do that. And, I, and that's coming out in what I'm working on now. 
Yeah, I mean, consciously or subconsciously, I think it's clear, right? It's like worldly perspective changes changes the way that you approach a problem. Sure. Yeah. So you get to Austin finally after all these yeah. stops. Um, not not just a few. It seems like you were you're all over the world, but you get to mm-hmm. Austin, which is a place that uh, you and I share in common. Um, both went to business school there. Both have, I think, a palate for breakfast tacos and barbecue and mm-hmm. uh, all that that goodness. Um, how did that context shape the way that you think about the built world? Well, I think that first of all, we need more breakfast tacos and barbecue in the <laughs> world. Uh, that's a, that's, that's a priority number one for what yep. I will know, put that stuff there. Before you go on, what, what, what are your favorite breakfast tacos? Let's, let's have a, a quick interlude here. Oh man. Um, let's see. Um, did you ever go to the place radio where, where um, oh yeah uh, Veracruz was the um, that little food truck there? That's, Those were my favorite tacos in in all of Austin. But I think the migas at Veracruz are probably the best breakfast tacos in the world. Andrew, I, I sent you there. What did you think? Is that is that why I went? Yeah, yeah. I, I still dream about those. Man, it it um. I don't know. I, it's one of those where, like, to recreate. I, I I don't know what what those. That's how you know it's really special because it's like, and it's just the same ingredients as a lot of other places. But it's got some got some sort of magic in there that I'm not sure what what it is. So, uh, in, in the search for a way to to recreate in some way. <laughs> yeah. Good good luck there. Um, yeah. So so anyways, I uh, I digress there. So you're in this you know, the setting I remember, at least from business school, is like the crane started to go up. Like you saw it happen. The writing was on the wall. Um, I think I got into business school in Texas, which was a better school than I probably deserved to get into, was probably because it had just started turning. Mm-hmm. And if I tried again today, I wouldn't get in. So so you're yeah. in that same setting where like the writing's on the wall. This place is going to be great or different, um, good, bad. Like there's a lot in there. Right. How did you how did you take that? How did you interpret that? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, so this would have been um, towards the end of 2012 uh, when when I got there, and and yeah, it was. If you ask people who had been there for a while, that they would say that was uh, it, it had been going on for for the last you know 25 years or, or or more, and you know all the sayings for keep Austin weird is the it, it's um when we look at it now we, we can say oh there was a long way to go and i think there probably still is even even today even though it didn't it didn't feel that way then and i think that's that's maybe a, a takeaway to to um to start with is that wherever you are in that cycle it feels like it's too late you know it, it feels like it, all this stuff has already happened and if you look at that from 2012 the last nine years uh, uh in austin like it's it's massive the amount of growth that actually has happened uh, since then i look at greenville now and people are already saying that like oh great we need another you know x y or z like it's it's a uh, it's like how could we possibly have have enough people for the stuff that's getting built but it doesn't take into account the fact that like the true velocity of of people that are that are moving to these places and Greenville certainly at the at the top of that list right now or among the among the handful of cities at the top of the list so um, it's in the process of kind of um, I've I've equated again I'll, I'll speak within the, the lens of like Greenville being at a different uh, stage of this but Austin being kind of a good analog for for how to kind of look at it it won't be the same but I think a lot of the a lot of the similar um, 
uh, similar pillars, I guess, are, are, are there where I think Austin was in the process of becoming almost a different tier of city uh, then. And that comes with a lot of pain <laughs> and a lot of um, anguish from the people who have been there for a while. It's, it's like the death of the place they love. Um, right. I think that that's real, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can't, you can't um, downplay that. It's, it is, uh, it is a bit of the death of, of, uh, of something that as it grows, it has to become something different. Um, and that's happening in Greenville right now. It's the, it's where I think the, you know, outside of maybe some greed uh, in there, but it's where like that NIMBY, uh, sort of mindset comes from is saying that this is special to me and I don't want it to change. And, and um, I think what we forget is that the alternative is, is not to go, like it's not possible to go backwards. I mean, it, go, right. going backwards means, means that it, like you lose everything. Um, and right. that you, you can't just rewind uh, in any way or stop growth. I mean, it's, it's where, a lot of this comes from where where uh, you have Austin like it's almost like the um, the city had this mindset of if if we don't build it they won't come and um, and you can't stop like people from moving to an interesting place with jobs you know like there's there's right. there's jobs there's uh, you know good music good food there like people will flock to this and all you're doing by not like uh, being like strategically growing as a city is making the experience worse for everybody and making yourself have to play catch up uh, for the infrastructure for for all the rest that that they've been doing ever since so um, I look at Greenville and, and say um, you know I'd love to be what excites me about it is that I get to be potentially a part of the right kind of growth uh, with that and to say let's not make some of those same mistakes and and I want to be able to, to take some of those um, some of those lessons that, that I saw firsthand and and um, you know at least incorporate how to how to do that right uh, moving forward in, in in my small little pocket of of what I what I can uh, do but you know hopefully that can uh, have some ripple effects. That's great. It's interesting. Uh, so so okay. So you leave Austin, come back to Greenville. What happens then? Yeah, it. Uh, I, I would say that. Uh, well, a couple things brought me back. Um, we have uh, three little boys um, that were all born in Austin. Uh, they're they're still young, and we've been back for a little while. So they were they were young. We were in uh, in the weeds, uh, so to say, for for a while with no family there. So um, just I, I think just that side of things, um, uh, we were looking to. Um, have you ever seen uh, or have you ever read that? Um, I think it's a blog post by uh, by Tim Urban where he talks about the amount of days that you spend with your family, uh, like for your parents. I think this was specifically with your parents, saying that by the time you're you're 18 years old, and he has this like like uh, illustration that's actually showing this visually. By the time you're 18 years old, I think the average um, uh, person in in uh, the U.S. has spent like 90 plus percent of the actual days they'll ever spend in their entire life with their parents. <clears throat> because that's they, amazing. You know, no, I haven't read it. But anyway, so so I'll just say like um, my parents are getting older. Our kids are there. We we wanted to be close to family, so um, that was that was one piece of it. And then um, from the work side, uh, opportunity zones that is kind of right when they were coming out. Um, that legislation. Um, kind of just opened up some doors, mostly in, 
you know, what interested me was not, not so much all the, um, all the little intricacies of what that program was, but, um, but one thing in particular of saying, uh, you have to hold, uh, you have to hold the investment for 10 years. And, and I, and I feel that a lot of the, uh, the problems for, for real estate projects can be fixed with a longer term mindset. Um, if you, if you're just trying to build something and flip it and, uh, it's similar to like a venture capital sort of, uh, you know, hamster wheel where you're always just having to get a higher valuation of something very quickly in order to keep moving forward. And so that that's where the inflation of prices, I think just, uh, just gets ramped up and, and really not interesting things get built because it, you don't really have to. And, um, and no real like neighborhood, like you look at all the best neighborhoods um, that people love to live in. It has like, it, it's the opposite mindset of, of that sort of fix and flip um, sort of sort of thing. So really the, those two things um, we're, we're saying, hey, I can actually um, be on the front end of some of this, some, some of this um, growth. And, and it's kind of where I fit in better with just, just where I'm interested and, and what I, what I feel like I can do better rather than a later, later stage market, like, like in Austin. So, um, the, the, the stars aligned with, with each of those things and found, found the property at that point. And, and, you know, the rest is history until we started trying to raise money for it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I'll throw a curveball at you, but I was, I was thinking about having young kids and I think, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about the fact that I have a 15 month year old daughter and, um, for me, at least, that's changed my perspective of what I want to do professionally and the, the type of legacy I want to I want to leave in terms of her growing up and and seeing what her dad does and and obviously uh, her mom does amazing things as well. But um, how how did having young kids affect your perspective on what you wanted to to do when you moved closer to family in Greenville? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I I, um, I think that. Moving to Greenville, uh, and it could have been anywhere. I think just the 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 act of moving and thinking about what we wanted our lives to look like as a as a family. Um, we had a couple interesting like opportunities to really dive into that. Maybe a unique one, and a, a one that we just had the the privilege of of getting to do, which was build a house and design that house for uh, for the way we wanted it to to. Uh, for the way we wanted our family to interact with uh, with each other and with our neighborhood, and uh, how does it grow with with them as they get older? Like, um, so like from a design perspective, that's like this little uh, this little microcosm of, of thinking through how how things can grow with with, with uh, just over time and meet the needs at different at different points. Um, and then how do we, like, for, for example, we built a really big front porch and we built it kind of close to the road because we wanted to be like, had this motto of being a front porch family. You know, we, we don't want to walk in the front door and, uh, or, or like drive our car into the garage, close the garage and no one sees us until uh, like you hang out in the backyard if you go outside at that point, right, which is right. a very, very common experience in, in the United States at least. And, um, and so I would say, as I'm looking at real estate, um, and as I'm thinking about community and how our family interacts with neighbors, and um, 
uh, I, I think that my kids are uh, like pretty much ingrained into that entire thought process. So it's, it's hard for me to point out one or one thing or, or even just a handful of things. It's more like, how are they incorporated into all of it and kind of infused with it? So um, we've got that's this a beautiful bubble. thing. Yeah, we've got no, that's amazing. Bubble. I mean, here in Chicago, Andrew and I would say that we have a, a stoop culture more than a front porch culture. But um, it's it's Thank a beautiful you. thing to sit out <laughs> on that you. stoop and have people walk by and and have your kids say hi to a bunch of a bunch of what were strangers and have them feel like neighbors and. Um, yeah. the fact that you've been able to translate that into what you do is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and just, just on that note, like the difference between having to schedule a, like a, a play date, uh, which, which like, I hate, I hate even the term, uh, of that because it should be something that like, that's the difference between what you just described and kind of walking by and, and just actual interaction with like natural interaction with your neighbors is is a huge quality of life thing that we're that we've been missing it's one reason we're, we can be so lonely uh and i've felt it the difference at different places that i've lived so again it, it's infused into uh each of the projects that i'm working on so it's, it certainly creates a, an open door type not policy but it feels like an open door when you have that 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 street presence kids are playing out front it's yeah. just a natural occurrence of people walking by and, and talking and hanging out it, it makes total sense have you guys seen in the heights yes uh, yeah um i didn't see it live but i watched the movie that came out and Me i had too. It, like it i love i loved it so much um and i didn't think that i was going to necessarily i liked hamilton and that just but i was so drawn to that neighborhood and i wasn't sure why but it, i think it was for the same exact reasons just like they are invested in each other because of a place and because of the like it, it to me it was something that like i was like okay i get i guess we're moving to new york uh <laughs> when it's not, obviously we're, we're not but um but there's something just so real and again it's, it's something magical about somehow creating like the how people interact within a within a space um that's very different than the close your garage sort of sort of uh, experience so totally totally agree with you so so you have your own your own version of the heights uh that you're building quite different but uh, certainly open door community and and uh a neighborhood uh which is chapel and that's the the first of of several projects hopefully in, in the area um talk to me about chapel so you're back in greenville um you're, you're thinking about fundraising like how, how'd you start on the road to chapel yeah, I mean, just from a, from, I guess there's the philosophical side of it, of just saying, hey, what what type of thing, what what do we want this to be, and then there's the the practical and logistical side of just finding finding a place, from on on the ladder, just finding it. Um, it was a standard process of just looking at everything in the market that was available. This was by far my favorite. You know, I I um, it's it's in a location that is uh, has kind of been been ignored in a lot of ways in Greenville, but extremely well situated um, in terms of the, the path of growth really close into town. So all from a just like um, fundamentals of real estate uh, aspect, it was a no brainer to me, even though other people might go there and say, hey, there's a lot of homeless people or, um, you know, there's been traditionally been a little more crime there or just whatever it is, it can be kind of scary to a lot of people. But 
I think that's one of those things you take from uh, like look at Austin and go to the east side of Austin and and obviously things can change very rapidly. Um, force sometimes not not the better and other times uh, it, it can be but um, but change it, it certainly will. So anyway, all, all th from that side of things, um, I, we we found that got it under contract in a in a pretty conventional manner and. and um, outside of that, I think it just was the culmination of, of a lot of ideas of how do we do this in a way that um, that really brings people along for the ride, creates new opportunities, um, kind of this idea of, of being as, as ground up uh, as possible uh, of, of how we interact with the community, all of those things. And this, this area um, was the perfect opportunity to do that, very, very central to the neighborhood. Uh, all of those things. So um, the, the stage was set well for it there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for the, the listeners, um, I've been to Poe Mill, I've visited the chapel site. It's, it's clear, and, and Matt took me around, showed me, showed me the area. It's clear that it's, it's, it's certainly in the path of, of development and um, it's at an inflection point. And it, will it be the same or will it be something quite different that gives back to the community? And I think chapel has the opportunity to do that in a unique way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll just put a put a kind of a finer point on that. Like to often people, when you say give back to the community, um, they put it in one of two buckets, you know, or, or it's it's either like your your for profit sort of project market rate, you know, like the, the business side of things, or is it more of the nonprofit like, hey, this is a community center, this is a and it's hard for it not to be binary for for um, for people in that sense and, and one of the core goals of this is to say it's 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 not one of those things it's all it's all of those things um and in in my view that for one that's one of the things that makes it hard to finance with a bank <clears throat> um it can get people excited from raising equity standpoint um you know everybody else who has to check their boxes it makes it harder but I think it reduces risk in in a lot of ways just because it's it's got this like it feeds itself in 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 different ways we can go into that but i think just like the the idea that it can give back to the community um to me it means it can make plenty of money still uh right. and and be a successful market rate project while while doing uh, kind of making the pie bigger for for everybody in that sense so I think that's one of the unique things about Chapel that we were so drawn to is the fact that that there is this sort of dual mandate. One is to to obviously generate revenue. This is a business, but number two is to do it in a way that's inclusive to bring people along for the ride. And uh, obviously, on our end, Andrew and I certainly believe that that's a model that we we think will um, shine through Chapel and and hopefully extend to the rest of of the country and and further out. Yeah, yeah, and and to your credit, I think that working with you guys uh, actually, actually um, added a lot to that very thing. Like if if um, I mean, it was very focused on on that that broad scope of of goals. But when you, when you looked at it, like that creative approach to how space is used, all, all of those things will help it make more money. Also, <laughs> so I think that uh, that there's there's a lot of those little little creative ways to challenge the the status quo of that 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 doesn't have to add risk it it, um, it both reduces it and, and potentially opens up new, new doors for for uh, 
you know, revenue streams and, and, you know, a number of things. So. Right. I think when you, when you start to understand what people value, you start to identify areas that have value, yeah. but put plainly. And, and that's the process that we like to go through. Um, so I, I do want to go a little bit into the specifics of the barriers of, of being different, because this is something that you talk a lot about in your own Substack and something I've, I've sort of poured over. I think that um, if you if you don't give yourself enough credit, you should give yourself more credit because you're you communicate things really simply that are that are pretty damn complicated. Um, but going into the specifics of kind of why it's so so challenging to be different. Let's talk about fundraising. Why is raising money for different so hard? What are these headwinds that you talk about and how do we, how do we get around them? Oh man, uh, there, there are many. Um, so, I mean, there's a couple categories. There's different types of money that, that you can raise. There's, um, you know, I, I, to differentiate between raising, um, raising equity versus raising debt and then the different types of debt. And um, that, that's, that's kind of its own conversation around, around the debt, which, which has been you know, the hardest part for this project. But starting with just raising money around, uh, um, or raising, sorry, um, equity for a project. So you're, you're just finding investors to come in uh, for, for something like this. It's, um, I think that last point that I, that I just made about the buckets people like to put things into. Um, the same is true for where money comes from. Like it's 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 um, across the board. People are box checkers, and they say this is what I'm doing with with this. And if it doesn't kind of uh, allow me to check this box of saying this is uh, philanthropic or this is uh, you know market rate or affordable housing or wh whatever it is like it, it is really hard when there's a, a long history of things just that have been done that way especially when there's been success uh from, from ha having things done that way so kind of like a, if anybody has had a lot of success in real estate for example um they're gonna have a really hard time doing things differently than, than how they found success, uh, regardless of whether that should change or, or, or um, you know, you can, you can bang your head against the wall pretty, pretty hard on, on that side of things. Um, but it's not a fight worth fighting um, because if it's too powerful of, of, a, um, of a force to say to someone, uh, you're just never going to get there when they have made a lot of money by doing it a certain way. And then you're saying, do it a completely different way. Uh, it takes a special, um, special mind or, uh, you know, scenario for that to work. So I think raising money, choosing who the audience is, is a really big part of that, that I've learned. And I think that one thing that was so hard was figuring out how to match up those, the, the goal of the money to how you speak about the project and how you tell that story so that for, for whatever person you are speaking to, they can check the box. You have to enable them to, to do so. Um, and that's where storytelling and, and um, being clear with, um, with uh, who you're talking to, how you're speaking to them and make sure that that, that is a match uh, for all of that. So, um, and then beyond that, I think it just, the, the, the spectrum of, how intense the box checking gets uh, is is just um, is maybe maybe the main difference. So if you go into a conventional bank and they are saying 
these are the 30 things that I need to see, like, um, you know, creditworthiness, uh, like the, the creditworthy tenants or 10 year leases, or, you know, all of these things that to them mean lower risk um, is really hard to say, well, how about we ignore those few because I'm doing it this way. Um, it's like the head, heads explode um, in, in that scenario. So again, finding the right um, ways to communicate that is even more important for, for that. So if I'm, you know, I've had to spend a lot of time, you know, getting this pre-lease um, and, you know, we've gotten most of, most of the way there, but then sometimes the goalpost will change or the, the uh, you know, you have to get it more pre-leased or then it's a new problem about the length of the lease or, you know, how long the, the tenants have been in business. Um, so it, it's, um, it's something that, uh, to put it bluntly, I think the system is, is completely broken. Uh, and as the world changes, that needs to change too. But that doesn't mean that it will change anytime soon. So kind of just got to dance with it, figure out, um, figure out how to get things done and put together some, some creative stacks of, of capital, um, which is what we've, what we've had to do. Uh, we're, we're in the final stages of that right now. And uh, I'd like to say it was completely done, but, but not quite there. Um, but we're, we're getting close. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, it's been it's been fun to be an observer of your process in the sense that you've been educating the market on how being different is so challenging, what the roadblocks look like. You're providing your your tools. I mean, you've been so transparent and open to anyone who's willing to to come along for the ride. Um, why? Like, why? Why have you why have you taken on this? Um, burden, added burden, takes a lot of time to write. It takes a lot of time to you know, record podcasts, all of the work that you've done. Why have you taken it on? And why have you been so transparent with the world about, um, about this stuff that is kind of like how the sausage is made? Like most of the time people aren't as interested in this as they are in the shiny pictures of the renderings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question too. I, I, um, I have a, love hate relationship with with doing that for sure um with, with writing in general i i find um i find immense uh value in writing it, it's it's um there's a lot of lot interesting quotes that probably say it better than this but but basically I, I view writing as um as a way to actually put a bunch of uh scattered thoughts into like it, it actually helps me think it makes it coherent it uh it is the process of connecting dots and filling in the filling in the gaps. Um, it, it, it almost is thinking. Um, so if I don't do that, I feel like I, I don't really have a, an, any sort of um, actual viewpoint on on something. And I certainly wouldn't make it public had I not uh, had I not written about that. So um, not to say I'm right with it, but it it, um, it certainly clarifies and, and sharpens. Um, you know what so so almost almost it's selfish uh to to do so um and, and then beyond that i think other people's feedback and response to it just like a conversation like this one um or the many that we've had before this helps to continue to refine and sharpen those ideas and I've, i i know for a fact that there's no substitute for that so um kind of taking that leap of of being um 
transparent and uh, a bit vulnerable with with I mean I could be doing it all wrong uh, and hopefully someone else can can uh, help me you know point me in the right direction from that and that would be a really good good um, outcome of that too rather than just uh, you know charging through in the wrong direction so all, all to say I, I think there's immense value even though I kind of hate it at the same time the process of it the um, that there's a lot of fear uh, baked into it as well, but it's almost proves that it's worth doing. Yeah, it's awesome. I think we know that well. I mean, it's if you don't put yourself out there, then you're not gonna you're not gonna get that level of feedback. And it's clear from looking at every post that that you pull together, every um, piece of content that you generate, that there's an audience of like-minded or um, or different folks out there who are uh, who are contributing and interested. So that's that's good stuff. Um, I do want to, to move here to Chapel itself. Like, let's talk about Chapel and, and how it's different. You know, you mentioned fundraising. You're kind of capping off that process and you're moving into um, kind of construction, really. Um, how, how is Chapel a departure from classic development? You use the term spaceship development sometimes in, in your writing. Um, talk to me about how Chapel is so different. And, and please, for the audience, tell, tell the audience what Chapel is. Give them a high-level overview on, on the development. Sure. I'll, I'll start there. Uh, so this is a, a, it's an adaptive reuse. So we're taking an old warehouse, about 40,000 square feet. Uh, used to be a, originally it was a bakery um, for this mill village, um, which uh, these, are, these are common in Greenville and, and throughout, the, throughout the southeast of the old textile mills and the towns that were built around them. Uh, so just up the street is a is the site of the old uh, mill, which was called Poe Mill, uh, and that's what this neighborhood is called. Um, and all these, you know, small little houses of people that worked in the mill or, or uh, is what makes up this neighborhood. But it's got this interesting um, kind of character to it. It's it's uh, it's unique. This particular neighborhood is unique in the sense that it is um, a third. African-American, a third uh, Hispanic, and a third white. And so the, um, the mix of people is uh, this, this little, um, it's just an example of something that you, you don't often find, certainly, uh, certainly not in uh, a place like Greenville or throughout the Southeast. Um, and so uh, what we are doing is, is uh, is building like within within the walls of, of the space, trying to uh, mirror a bit of that, uh, of, of what the community is uh, in the first place. We want this to be a place, uh, e even just the name chapel, um, it, is, it is meant to be uh, a place that uh, you are welcome to walk through the doors. You feel that you are, um, you, you, when you do walk in, you say, this, this is for me, uh, I, sh I should be here, rather than, um, rather than you know, uh, uh, feeling like a stranger in, in some way. So that comes down to, I mean, that, that's a complicated thing, and, and there's lots that go into that, that again, um, will remain to be seen, it's, it's, the, it's the goal. Um, but the idea, it's, it's kind of what, what church should be, <laughs> you know, the, the, the idea that, uh, a place is is holy because um, because of the people and how uh, how they interact with each other, rather than uh, anything external to that. So, um, so that that's kind of the philosophy behind it. We'll have you know this almost ecosystem within the space that hopefully feeds itself from 
um, office, uh, people doing interesting things and challenging the status quo of, of technology or, or whatever industry they're, they're in um, to, uh, you know, less, um, less formal uh, atmospheres and, and uh, kind of the retail coffee shop, uh, go, go meet people and, and um, interact in a more social way to food, um, the, the food and beverage, multiple restaurants, um, and, and really trying to lean into each of those and how they uh, uh, are really interact with each other uh, in the same way that this, this, this development interacts with the neighborhood itself and, this, and our city itself. So, um, so I'll just say that those are, those are the components of this and, and that's very different from, like you mentioned, that's the, the spaceship, <coughs> spaceship development, which is you know, the, the image of a uh, spaceship hovering over a site and uh, building something and then it's occupied by aliens, you know, people <laughs> that are not from this place, <laughs> you know, which is they're going to look very different than the neighborhood that, that's there. It's, um, it, it's, it's very apparent that this is a different sort of place that is that does not fit in that does not, um, you know, that, that's probably going to serve your, you know, $12 uh, sour beers and uh, th things like that. So Nothing, nothing wrong with sour beers. It's just that uh, I, I think that if it's not incorporated into into a place, then then uh, we want we want no part of it uh, for this. So is that a, is that a good overview? <laughs> it's a great overview, absolutely. And thank you for clarifying spaceship development. It's a term that I don't know if you coined it, but I'm definitely going to steal it because it's it's pretty great. Um, so That's about sad. about chapel, um, you know, I I want to dive into the the elements that you incorporated in in thinking about this space that are really human and, and community centered. Like this is not your average co-working space. This is different. This has different angles around local. This has kitchen co-working. This is a space where people are going to have opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have. Like talk to us about how this is so different than you know spaceship developments that are popping up left and right. I think I think the core component of that is uh, is accessibility, um, and you know there's there's other reasons for it too. From from um, just kind of the future of work and how people are working, ha providing a flexible option uh, that is kind of neighborhood focused rather than just going to the 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 core business district of of any city and parking in the parking garage uh, that's there. Like I, I think that. The, the model is fundamentally changing, but beyond that, I think um, a big part of what I, I think the the creativity that I've tried to uh, um, lean into and, and uh, incorporate into the into this is not to not to just um, recreate the wheel in, in any way just because it can. Like I, I want there to be a reason to challenge something. I think the the business model itself of a space and um, and how it makes money, how, that, that's something that I think is one of the, um, I've, I've written a little bit about this as well, where it's some of the low hanging fruit to, um, to open new doors, uh, access to uh, how, like the type of people that can utilize a space, uh, partially just because of the price point, you know? Um, there aren't many people in Poe Mill who are gonna go spend, you know, $300 a month for, uh, for a, dedicated desk in a co-working space. You know, I, I know for a fact that will not happen. If, if it does, it's one or two. Um, so how do we 
challenge the the idea of of how a space is even used, how we charge for it, um, all those things. So in this concept, uh, or, or in this in this instance, it's um, it's thinking of it uh, a little bit more like you would think of a um, a gym membership, and to say that we can have more people that are utilizing this space once or twice a week um, on average, and some people might use it more, some some less, but having a larger uh, volume of people that are that are using it in that way allows us to bring the price uh, pretty far down. But at the same time, like that's more people that are gonna come around and use the, the food and beverage area even more, or come by just for, uh, they'll use this for, for getting their coffee um, as opposed to anywhere else because they're, they're members there. But it's, it's, um, it's still a part of their life in a, in a more incorporated uh, kind of that infused way as a part of their neighborhood, a part of like their, their, um, their community of, of uh, their, their friends go there, all, all of those things, but they don't necessarily need to view it as like, hey, I've got a desk and it costs, you know, th three to, you know, whatever, $100 a month. Uh, there's, there's more options. And that, again, it's just one example of how it can open up doors for, for who can be a part of it in the first place. And, and then you got to do the hard work of how do they feel feel when they walk through the doors and who do they see that looks like them and, and all, all of those things that um, it get, gets complicated and I feel and it feels hard but um, but it's something that I think just has to start from the from the beginning. Right it's almost it's almost like you you, you did you took the the shell or the skeleton of a few business models and uh, you rewrote the script to think about how to how to make them work for for a neighborhood how to make chapel a good neighbor. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's putting pieces together and maybe uh, a new way and we'll continue to do that, you know, we'll, we'll experiment, we'll try, try new things of see, see what's sticking and what's not. Um, hopefully, it's not, uh, you know, too many iterations of that to where it confuses people or, or, uh, or drives me crazy but, um, but overall, like, yeah, we want to we, we, we don't want to be so rigid that, um, that we feel like we've got all the answers but uh, but yeah, finding little pieces that have worked in other areas is, is really all, uh, I think, no, there's no real new ideas out here. It's just putting them in new contexts and in and, and new combinations. So, so talking about that, um, generating a feeling and, and creating an environment where people walk in and they read marketing communication and they see elements of chapel in the wild and they feel like, oh, this is a place for me, what what do you think the role of brand and design is in making different work and, and making chapel work? Yeah, it's it's the it's the starting point for a lot of that. It's um, you know before someone's physically in the space, I mean they generate an idea of what that space is all about first, um, and that comes through the website or or. The logo or, or uh, whatever whatever message they've seen, uh, even even how people relay what what um, what that place is about. You know, I think that word of mouth sort of idea um, it, it starts there, and and that only gets stronger and more um, I, I guess more clear, more evident, more powerful as you get inside the space and and uh, from from walking up to it. Uh, getting us like you're generating an idea of what this place is about 
and then you walk in, you even you have more information and you like kind of those senses uh, and who's there and how people are interacting. All of that is brand uh, to me. And what do they read on the walls as they get in there? What kind of uh, what colors are there? What uh, I mean, it's 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 literally to to um, to every uh, sort of sense um, that uh, that a person can have as they're experiencing a place. Um, and so brand from uh, what you guys have have worked on with this and and then uh, leading into um, the experience that someone has within that is just intimately connected uh, and I think that that's honestly what what is often missing uh, in in places that you don't feel a connection to or it's like hey a, a cool logo I mean there could be I mean, there's tons of really cool logos, but if it doesn't uh, like connect to that whole that whole experience, um, I don't know. We've got a unique uh, opportunity to do that in a physical space like this, and and uh, uh, the ability to strengthen that and to have kind of that that bond for for people, where then it can spread uh, from there, and and the right message gets gets told uh, from there. And Matt, to that point, it was, it was so integral to, to weave chapel in, into the fabric of, of Poe Mill, right? We wanted it to feel as an extension of the neighborhood. And um, I mean, what you're doing obviously shows for that. But yeah, I mean, brand definitely plays a large role in how the community perceives chapel and how chapel kind of speaks to the community. And we really wanted it to feel one and the same. And um, yeah, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. So Matt, last question here. Um, I want to I want to get your perspective on the future. Uh, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you know there's overwhelming bad news. You can you can't avoid it. You can't hide from it. It's like a it's it's sort of like the myth of Sisyphus. It just kind of keeps coming back and drag the stone up the mountain. Um, but why are you optimistic? What makes you optimistic about the future of placemaking and community impact? Hmm. I think that we have we have just an opportunity right now with a, a mix of uh, kind of where we are in the world. I mean, it, um, the technologies that are being built, the the, the ability to um, I don't know utilize that for for people's good rather than just for the the sake of of you know building something new. I, I think. Um, uh, We've been in this like weird, weird in between. I think for a while, as the internet kind of comes comes on board, um, we're, we're it it changes the way a lot of business works. Um, that has then led to where we are right now, as the as you know the rest of that that uh, ecosystem gets built out from from being able to use our phones, ha having having a. Um, Really, just that 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 trend on the um, the software side of things, and I think that we've been in this weird in between of that not really translating into our physical environment quite as much, um, outside of maybe a few examples with Uber and and uh, but but that that hasn't led to really any change within the real estate world. It hasn't led to. I mean, we're still operating in kind of really old uh, using old playbooks. Um, and I'm optimistic because I believe that really we, we are on the verge of that changing. Uh, we're kind of reaching a, a point to where I think the technology um, is so uh, widespread and uh, it's, it's led to um, 
I don't know. And I'm, 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 I'm not involved in building any of this. So I'm just speaking from a very high level without, without much detail here, but, but I do believe that um, it's, it's, it's available for us in ways that it, that it wasn't. Uh, so all of these people, this neighborhood that we're talk, talking to and, and building for, there, there's access to this technology for, for pretty much everybody now. Um, and you think about crypto, you think about the ways that the world of finance, the world of how things get built, all of those things I think are coming to a place that can actually change people's uh, lives in their neighborhoods, in their physical space in ways that they haven't before. Otherwise, it was just kind of little shiny new toys that um, that is, has been hard to incorporate. So um, people are the same throughout this process. Uh, I think that <laughs> that won't change moving forward. It's um, but in terms of like our, our ability to um, to build with human focused uh, ideas and technology and, and spaces, um, all of that, uh, I, I mean, aside from it, just, you know, me seeing it happen and seeing some really cool growth happening that that's easy to be, um, to be optimistic about uh, in the middle of that. I think that there's a lot of good things. Um, if, I mean, obviously some dangerous things as well that we'll have to be careful with, but um, so many good things moving forward, so. Awesome. And Matt, where can people find you if they wanna hear more about Chapel and, and your work? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, chapels, uh, uh, chapelgvl.com if you want to find any information there. And um, I am on, uh, I do some writing on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, Twitter, uh, just a little bit. Um, I, I find really interesting people on Twitter, but, uh, but have done most of my writing elsewhere as of now. And then, um, and then uh, the newsletter that you mentioned earlier, which is um, chapel.substack.com, I believe so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Um, for everyone out there, this has been an episode of No Contest by No Wall Studio. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to the No Contest podcast. For more information, make sure to follow us on social media or check us out at nowalls.studio.